Hey there, it's Kelly. Welcome to the Kelly Lepsha podcast, where it is no longer an option. It is essential to take control of your health. This show is going to be your ultimate guide towards living an extraordinary life. Each week, I'll be sharing my tried and true tips to get out of feeling just fine. That's my four letter word to become feeling fabulous. I will also have my colleague and friend, Dr. Heidi Arasabal, joining us weekly to share a deeper dive together into the science of thriving, understanding aging, and how to turn back the clock, as well as actionable steps to start taking control of your health now. Now, from time to time, I'll bring on additional brilliant minds in both the field of mind and body wellness to support your journey in truly living an extraordinary life. So if you're a woman out there who maybe feels like crap, or I don't know, maybe you've just lost your kind of zest in life, or you do feel like you're fine, but you know you're just not truly living, then this podcast is the place for you. Hello, you guys. Hi, Facebook world. How is everybody? Hey, everybody. Hello. Fun to be with you guys as always. Sorry that maybe some of you guys missed us last week. Just a little side note as we were traveling and some unexpected things and you probably didn't even miss us. Yeah, you probably didn't even notice. <laughs> the days go by as a blur. Wednesday what? just got skipped. Talk? It went from Tuesday to Thursday and that was it, right? <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. I hope everybody had to, did something fun. Um, I guess the big question of the hour is, we all got an extra hour this weekend. Yeah. So what did you do with your extra hour? Dr. Heidi, how about you? What, anything that you had a little, cause that's like a 25 hour day. It's like a 25 hour day. You know what? We actually slept in and went, wait, what time is it? And it felt so good because yeah, we just got an extra hour, but we got to start on the regular hour. Does that make sense? <laughs> so it didn't feel like we wasted the day, you know, and we sleep, we're like, ah, exactly. It's 6.30 a.m. What are we doing? You know, the day's <laughs> gone. So we slept and we didn't have any guilt about it. And it was just really lovely. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> That's lame. <laughs> no, it's not lame because I did the same exact thing. I'm like, well, if I get up at this, that's really a great time for me. And I'll have actually slept an extra hour. Right. And just take advantage of that, that I just normally would not have done. So and I I'm think, glad you did it too. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we, even though we know you and I know, come on now audience, right. We talk about sleep. You know, that Dr. Heidi and I think sleep is so important. Yeah. However, I think some of the time we get pretty rigid in our schedules and our structure and that we have to be up and we have to do the thing. And it's like, oh, it's okay to have permission to do a little extra sleep. And it's not laziness, right? It's just allowing your body that resting is an important thing. I think it's important and a good reminder for even practitioners, for those of us like who are so conscious about walking the talk, Yeah. right? I got to walk the talk because I can't be authentic with you and tell people to do things if I'm not doing it in the background, right? And so sometimes just granting ourselves permission because we would do that for anyone else. If a friend, family member came and said, I just need another hour's sleep. Can I do that? We would bend over backwards, shush everybody, make sure that the environment was the best that they could get what they needed, right? Why can't we do that for ourselves? It is such a great lesson, a reminder, right? Like, it's okay. 
It's Back okay. Off, Heidi. <laughs> it is so true. And funny enough, I was traveling. And so I was by myself. Normally I have other noises, right? So I would have my husband and I would have the dogs in our new house. Sometimes you can hear the toenails of the dogs walking on the floor. Oh boy. That's been a, like, <laughs> oh gosh, but I had nothing. And I was like, oh my God, I slept so great because I didn't have those little early distractions and turning over and hearing. And I'm like, oh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Me likey. <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh. Exactly. So, much fun. so we want you guys to tell us what did you do with your extra hour? I bet you a lot of people slept. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they just slept. Unless you were getting up early and like, I don't know, hitting Disneyland or like having an adventure or, you know, catching a flight, maybe. I'm not sure, but definitely yeah. let us know. Definitely let us know. Well, you guys, welcome. And Dr. Heidi, I'd love to welcome you. And really today, I would love to do a deep dive on Dr. Heidi. Like a lot of people may know you. Some people might know some of what you do. Some people might just know you as the practitioner that you are of today. But I think so many of us in life are realizing when we're hearing speakers, leaders, movement makers, it's their story that's got them to where they are. We just see the final product that usually looks a little bit like shiny and glamorous and whatever it may be. But we think like, how did we get here? And I think in healthcare, many of us, our journeys were definitely not linear. Mine was absolutely not linear. And I know for me, and maybe one day we'll do a deep dive on Kelly's story. But one I day, would love that. <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely. I had many pivotal times that led me into my career. And I had some turns, right, that I wasn't expecting at the moment that have led me to amazing things. But I think each and every one of us loves to go to that expert but really understanding where that person came from, where their expertise, where their desire to learn, their desire to help others really started is actually quite important. So Dr. Heidi, maybe you can just share a little bit about currently, um, like who you are in your practice, what you do today, and then we'll kind of back up. Yeah, sure. So currently, you know, I'm a naturopath. I'm certified in functional medicine and I've been practice over 21, 22 years. I forget how many years now. Solo practice most of the time. I did embark on creating one of the largest functional medicine practices with a colleague, which was amazingly successful and an amazing project to do, but found out, which, you know, we find out things that I'm a better boutique practice person, right? Better though, I'm not one-on-one -on -one than, than the big groups and stuff. So that's what I still do now. It's funny that you say that because I was just talking to a woman yesterday who she built her wellness practice and all of a sudden she couldn't handle any more clients. So she thought she should start adding support and other people and practitioners. And she did and quickly realized she had no interest. She lost her joy. She lost her love. And so now she is back as a solo practitioner and that's what gives her the most joy. I'm like, we think we need to grow it a certain way. And sometimes we have to take the journey to realize maybe that's not what exactly we want. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's that push, you know, in society, you just have to get bigger and grow bigger and, and things like that. And what I loved about it was the interaction with colleagues, the walking out of my office and be able to ask a question to a colleague, see what someone else is doing. Hey, well, how do you approach that? 
that particular illness or something like that. That's what I really miss as a solo practitioner. And so I find myself in with a collective. We're not hired by any one person. We're all our own individuals. But I can walk out of my office and I can ask the acupuncturist what his thoughts are on it. Or I can ask the craniosacral therapist if she's ever worked with this or that. And, and so it's just that brings me the joy to just have the colleagues around, to share ideas, to be of a like mind for the one focus of helping as many people as we can. And how did I get into that? You know, I've always, as a child, I can go way back in there. I, oh, as please. a child, I take was- Take us back. <laughs> take us back. You know, I was a preemie baby. My dad always jokes he had to press onto the, the weight scale to get me to four pounds. He's like, how much does she weigh? Four. Okay, good, good. We got her. And so I was a preemie baby and with preemie babies come some health complications and mostly lungs because it was at a last to develop. And so I had a lot of breathing issues, allergies to everything, childhood asthma, you know, so I was just was considered, you know, a little bit sickly. Although if you watched me go out and play with my sisters and brothers, which they were numerous friends of the street, cousins down the street, you wouldn't be able to tell really, because I just love that joy of hanging out with them and so forth, but would end up having to stop and catch my breath and things like that. And my mother was pretty steadfast in trying to find out what are the key ingredients and what in food, which I thought was so ahead of her time, you know, when I, here I am this little kid and she's saying, well, what foods are contributing to this? Yeah. And so we figured that out that of food is medicine, yeah. right? Like that's exactly, exactly. And she was always just a believer, just sort of who she was, was you cook chicken, fish, and veg as fresh as you can. And what else do you need? Like I do the cooking. That's what she would be like. I do the cooking. I'm not going to go buy something that someone else made. Why would I do that? You know? So I think that was one of the benefits that I received and saw that our health was all pretty good because we did eat well. And she did figure out with the help of the doc that, you know, dairy was not going to be a good thing for me. I found out later in life that wheat and gluten is not a good thing for me, but we took these things away and I started to thrive more and more. Allergies were always an issue, but in all of that discovery, yeah, I figured I want to be in the health field. I didn't know where or what. And as an athlete, who do you see the most is your orthopedic <laughs> doctor for every sprain, ankle, stitches, <laughs> you know, these things, right. which you know, if you're going to be an athlete, this is part of it. And so I thought I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And so more. How, how did you become an athlete, right? Like here's this preemie, here's this sickly kid. And here's this not robust stature that you're just like, you know, built as a natural athlete, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm small. I'm five, three. And at the time, probably, you know, 90 pounds soaking wet. Again, you got to put your finger on the scale. <laughs> But I just love to be outside and I love to move. And so I just started running. One day I decided I'm going to be a runner and I would wake up before everyone got up in the morning and leave the house and go running. I'm not sure my parents really realized that's what I was doing until one, one day I came home from running and my dad's like, where have you been? So I go out running every morning. Oh, since when? <laughs> so I wanted to be a runner. And I just loved that camaraderie the competition aspect and the friendships that you developed. And so with the guys in the neighborhood, I'd play football, I'd play baseball, played whatever they let allowed me to play. And I 
started to become a pretty decent runner. And so that just ignited my desire to say, well, how far can I go with this? I mean, I don't know. I mean, everyone told me around me told me you're too short, you're too little, your lungs are too bad and you're a girl. So yeah. good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, right. it's uh, but I did have one coach that I had had an accident with my foot and the coach that helped rehab me or the PT guy ended up being my coach in middle school. And he was the first one and the only one that said, you want to be a runner? You want to be an athlete? Let's go be an athlete. And somebody that believed in you, right? I think yeah. there's a pivotal moment that somebody for all of us has believed in us that they had the belief before we had it in ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was really just through his guidance and his training and, you know, my dedication to say, well, if he says I can do it, then I can do it. And every time I just kept having to rise to the occasion and he created this wonderful following of other athletes that I just had the privilege of working out with, competing with. They were in my same high school and just really wonderful, wonderful people. But I think because we all had that common goal of we want to be the best athlete and challenge each other. And the competition ends at the race, but we're friends first. Does that make sense? Oh, I love um, that. And so yeah. school, did you continue competing in college and beyond? I think so, right? Yeah. So this is such a boring story, but okay. So yeah. So in high school, we discovered that I had an arm, right? I could throw things. I'm short. I'm little. I can run long distances and I can run fast. I was a hurdle champion doing hurdles and things like that. And we discovered that I... I knew that's why we had a bond. That's it. <laughs> me, five foot four, right? That was me, yeah. the hurdle girl. <laughs> the hurdle I, girl, I right? We went under them, Kelly. I'm like, I did not. <laughs> no, I stayed champ, right? So we found out we had an arm and my coach, same coach said, let's go talk to the javelin thrower at the university and see what he thinks. He's a Swedish champion and kind of value his opinion, you know? So I went up there and met this gorgeous six foot three, six foot four, blonde, blue eyed Swedish gentleman and, you know, big muscular guy. And here I arrive, you know, this big next to him. And he said, this is, this is the javelin thrower you want me to teach? I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> you can't shoot a cannon out of a canoe. <laughs> oh, and I went, hey, watch me, pal. And so he gave me a javelin and showed me how to hold it. And we threw a few throws and he was like, okay. And then he gave me a few rocks to throw. And that's what that convinced him. Like, okay, she's got an arm. Let's see what we can do. So I started training with him and it got me good enough to get an athletic scholarship and four year, <laughs> yay, uh, athletic scholarship for our javelin throwing. And they ended up turning me into a heptathlete, which is like the men's decathlon only seven events for women. And so I competed at the collegiate level that way. And an injury brought that to a an halt. And I moved to Europe. The only way mode of transportation I had was really riding my bike for a while. And I discovered that I can ride and race a bicycle. And in Europe, that's like the best place to discover that. And so I started riding. And, and Heidi, let me just like put a little tiny pin in your cycling here and where you were going, because yes. you had an injury in college, but you were on a different trajectory, right? 
And, and I think that's just important to know that all of these things, the odds were not in your favor, but yet you still had a very pivotal moment that without that injury, you know, you would have continued, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I would go on to, you know, being more triathlons and being just my career as an athlete. I wanted to be a career athlete and coach and things like that. I didn't think I would really, my whole idea of being in the health field kind of changed. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's what I thought. And all of that came to a screeching halt. So, so you when I went you to find Europe, your way to Europe, <laughs> let's just go to Europe, right? You find your way uh, on the yellow brick road to Europe. It was very interesting. We, we had gone there as a family for a Christmas holiday and truly, when I arrived in France, I said, I turned to my stepfather, what we call Papa, and I said, just said, I'm not, I'm not leaving here. I feel so at home here. And he's like, but you don't speak the language. <laughs> I don't care. I love it here. I will learn the language. I will teach the French kids English. I'll do anything to stay here. And so we did. And I did. I quit my job in England. I was a teacher at the American school. And I just started teaching kids English and we would trade out with food because I would teach the people who had the vegetable stand. I would teach their kids and then I would get vegetables for my meals. So this is like very sparse living and kind of scraping by. But my love for the country and my love for the people and the lifestyle was so strong that I didn't care. I just didn't care how hard it was or what I had to do. And then this bicycling opportunity arrived. Truly, I was riding up a, a mountain yeah, to my did house. You, did you meet somebody? Like, what was that moment that all of a sudden here you were there just teaching English, exchanging vegetables, and then now you're cycling for the world champion? Like, what was, there was a moment there. There was a moment there, right? Yeah, I was riding my bicycle up the mountain because I lived on top of a mountain. I had to go down this mountain to the village to get veggies and shop. And I was riding my bike back up. And being an athlete, yeah, every day I'd go up that mountain, I'd try to go faster. I'd try to beat my time. I'd try to, you know, I just made a game of it because it, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. And I got to the top one day and I hear this huffing and puffing behind me and I kind of look back and there are these two young men and they're like, you're not a racer. And I said, no, I'm just getting my groceries. And uh, they said, we have been chasing you up this mountain. <laughs> and we thought you were a racer. We're like, no, no. They said, you need to ride a bike. We don't have any women on our club that can ride a bike. Well, we have one, but she's really, really good. And you know, she's never with us. And, you know, she was the Tour de France champ and she rode with the world champion. And I said, oh, don't ride a bike. You don't want me. And they go, no, no, please, please. You just got to try it. And I said, no. And it took them several tours coming by my house and finding me outside and saying, hey, you want to go for a ride? Want to go for a ride? And I finally said, okay, I'll go with you. I can't keep up. If you realize I'm not any good, you'll let me go, right? And I ended up loving it. They took me on these back roads. 
And we went for hours and I hardly noticed because it was so beautiful, so amazing. It was a kind of effort. It was hard. And then you can recover at the same time you ride. It was just, I'm probably giving way more detail than you want, but it was just a fantastic experience. And at that point I joined their club. It was their club that introduced me to that very amazing racer for that area. And she was supposed to go to this international race with the world champion and found out she was pregnant. And our team needed someone to go in place of her. (laughs) So I went, everyone's talking about Jeannie Longo's here and Maria Canines, and I mean, all the greats at the time. And I just couldn't wait to just even just see them, right? Let alone ride with them. I had no experience or very little experience. I was a numbskull, right? I had the wrong shoes, the wrong bike, the wrong helmet. I was a numbskull. But we rode the race and I got to ride with Longo. And it just worked out that I was in the right place at the right time. And I had a good performance. She really didn't like it, but her coach really liked me giving her that challenge a little bit. I wasn't a challenge, but at that, t- at that race, I didn't give up just because it was her, right? And so he took me under his wing, gave me different wheels, told me what shoes to buy, <laughs> told me what bike I needed to go purchase. So I went to go look at the price of the purchase absolutely no way we got to do with this bike what I got an old Cannondale let me just say that name Cannondale it served me well right and but got better wheels and and all of that led to because he was Ginny Longo's coach and she wasn't going to do anything just because he said to do it like put this girl on your team I had to earn it but it was really his training that made me worthy or even in the running to ride with her and then when she did take me under her wing, it was amazing. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done, but it was one of the most amazing experiences. And it was at that time, during that time, she was very keen on homeopathics, eating right, looking at your diet, being more personalized with your health and wellness and taking charge of that, not leaving it to other people. Because for women's racing, we didn't have all the trainers and all that that the men's team had. And so it was through her pointing us in those directions and having those experiences and seeing and feeling the changes. I was vegetarian for those 10 years leading up to racing with her. And my injury rate was much higher than it should have been. And so she was the one that said, you can't be on my team. (laughs) She eat protein, animal protein. And uh, my performance just ended up being much more amazing. And I rarely got injured, et cetera, et cetera. But my health overall, going from a sickly kid to having this absolute robust health was amazing. And that's when I did decide like everyone should know how this feels. I want to bring these modalities, this kind of thinking, this kind of wellness preventative to as many people who listen. Because what I love about it is yes, we're talking about elite athletes, but honestly, each and every one of us is that elite I won't even say the word athlete has this elite engine body performance that we should be wanting to take care of ourselves. Right. You know, we all take care of our cars, even though they're kind of disposable, right. We all 
you know, take care of the fancy clothes we have, although we can go buy more. But we've got this one body to serve and serve really well. So honestly, that is like, what a great training ground of just taking care of this amazing temple. So you yeah. wind up your career there in France and then do you immediately come back to the US and then did you just start doing things on your own? Did you go back to school? What was next? Yeah, after that, when I retired, I had met some people here in Texas that one of the racers was on the American racing team and we struck up a friendship. She just said, hey, when you retire, why don't you become a personal trainer and I can introduce you to some people in Dallas. And I said, I can do that. Yeah. So I came to Dallas, learned to be a personal trainer. She introduced me to amazing people, very famous people. So I immediately had my plate full because Dallas is very flavor of the month. So I was the new kid in town and I'm training this. If they're training that person, they must be great. So I want them too. And so it became that kind of thing, oh. but a wonderful experience. And at the same time, they had opened up an acupuncture school here in Dallas. And that's what I was very much interested in because after my injury, it was only acupuncture that actually gave me the ability to walk without a limp, to move more normally and to ride a bike and have physical strength. When I was told that wasn't possible, it was acupuncture that brought that to my life, but really encountered that in Europe, right? So I said, I want to do acupuncture and it's something I could train with, do training in the morning and at night and go to acupuncture school during the day. I did that. I was in acupuncture for about, did acupuncture straight up for about five years, went back to naturopathic school because I felt like I want more diet. I want more in my toolkit and did, got that. And then met a colleague that said, you need to do functional medicine. I said, I am. They said, no, no, no. You have to get that certification. This is functional medicine. So went to the when Institute of Like Function. how long ago, Heidi? Like this wasn't like a year or two ago. This was quite some time ago. Oh yeah. Actually, I was in the first like certification class of testing and so forth to be certified as a functional medicine practitioner at the Institute of Functional Medicine. And um, I just wanted to point that out for the audience because functional medicine today is a little bit used widely. And so- mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I'm a functional medicine practitioner or nutritionist or this, but you know, what everyone really needs to understand is this is the history of this has been going on now for a while. And it yeah. is a long process to actually become certified in actually a functional medicine certified practitioner. It's very different than just, you know, I took some courses in functional medicine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the time it was you had to travel to classes each time. There wasn't any Zoom, there wasn't classes online. You had to go spend that money, spend that time, which I think people who are just doing it on Zoom and on courses online are missing out because the colleagues and the people and the community that I met in the functional medicine was, you know, you think, oh, I met my tribe, right? It was so encouraging. And so, yeah, there 2000. 13, I think was when I was certified. I think that was the first class since so long ago. And that just led into other branches into functional neurology, you know, functional medicine. That's what I do now. But yeah. Oh my God. So now you have your own boutique practice, right? Mm -hmm. In a collective and from really people can access you coming to see you're still in Dallas, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I'm in Dallas. Yeah. 
people see my on, on Zoom live and in person, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And along the way, I know you've done a lot of other certifications, dabbled in many other forms of healing arts that has made you an incredible practitioner that you are today. Because all those experiences and things that we bring kind of molds us into these unique individuals that somebody else who's a functional medicine practitioner, just because they're an ND or just because they're an acupuncturist, they still don't have the skill set or do what you do, right? That's what makes us all so special. Right. And that's interesting that you point that out. It's just, it always felt like, like I had to stack things so that I get a clearer picture, a more full plate to, of which to offer and to evaluate, help people evaluate their diet, their lifestyle, genetics, things like that. And just keep up on the science, keep up on the protocols to just offer better health for people, more sane, <laughs> better health. Yeah. So I just always feel like I need to keep up on it and to learn more and stack that information. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, the other day I was talking with somebody and we were talking about a balance, but they're like, I really don't like that word balance. And what I love about what you said in stacking is in what we're all doing, it's really blending. Mm -hmm. And for certain clients, the blend is a little bit more like this. And for another client, the blend might be a little bit more like this, but being able to stack allows us that opportunity to help people yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. That we may not focus on that aspect of it, but to have that little bit of knowledge just helps the picture become more clear with someone else. So mm -hmm. it's like the little talents, <laughs> you know, the tangles that we, and the web we weave, right? So it just creates a much bigger and stronger web with which to pull from. Yes. Yes. I love that. Well, you know, you guys, this is so fabulous because if Dr. Heidi didn't have the experience of getting injured, being able to then go cycle for the world champion for seven years over in Europe, like she may have not have had what she can bring into the field. Even if you decided to go into acupuncture anyways, just say not having that experience really would have changed a little bit of maybe how you practice because you didn't mm -hmm. have that to grasp on. So I just want everybody to know that Heidi and I are going to bring you topics every single week, but from different aspects of being aging women, being practitioners, being athletes, working with people who have been sick, working with people who are well and want optimal health, that there isn't a thing, the one thing that it could be like a missing, just one little thing that you're missing to optimize your health. The one little thing you're missing of why your gut's still not great, even though you're like working towards it. So always feel free to reach out. Like, I want to know about this. I want to know about that. Can you guys help me with this? Because we're going to be bringing you those weekly topics. And the more you guys as an audience ask questions and shares, the more Dr. Heidi and I can truly bring information back to you. So this podcast is one of the places that you're going to find us every week that you can definitely follow us for more and get really great information. And then, you know, we're here to really serve and to educate. And for those of you that say like, well, I can't travel to Dallas, or I really want more than just a Zoom appointment. Together, we are really building a collective of women looking to optimize their health. And through some very special programs of really health masterminds, because there is a value of being in small groups and sharing what's working and really uncovering all different sorts of things. And a question that you have might be a question somebody else never thought of. 
And a question that we had to talk to another woman might be the one thing that gives you the biggest aha that it's really for you. And really putting together all these years of experience in a place that you can feel like you're really able to live an extraordinary life. And too many yeah. times, Heidi, I think people come to you and say, you know, I've been to the doctor, I've had these tests and I still don't feel great or I don't feel like myself or am I really just aging or is there more to it? So we want to uncover and unpack this for you, right? Yeah. And, you know, one thing about doing a mastermind or joining a group like what we're trying to offer and one of the big reasons why we want to offer it is because oftentimes our focus is fragmented. We have kids, got to get them to practice, school, cook, try to eat right everything's fragmented. And if we find that when we bring women together and we have this intense education, fun, community, movement, breathing, and we bring it all together unfragmented, that's when it sticks. That's when it changes things. And that's what makes you move inside and your spirit move. And that's when you can go out and blow the roof off because you're empowered now and it's taking away the distractions taking away the fragmentedness and bringing it all together your blueprint you your power ah uh, what a blessing dr heidi well you guys if any of you are out there and you think you're literally just surviving <laughs> i i hope you plug in i hope you stay connected because we're going to help teach you through these podcasts and more that you can be out there thriving that literally, you know, I say to each and every one of us that we all think that taking care of ourselves is an option, but in the world we're living in today, it is essential that you take control of your health. Absolutely. Well, what an amazing story. It's been a blessing and I, you know, you've blessed many lives. And I think a lot of light bulbs went off for people today, Dr. Heidi of, oh my gosh, me too. Or I did that, or I was a sick kid, or I had an injury or right. And that we can all make the things move us to who we are today and never let anything like that hold us back. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people want to find you other than finding you here, where else can people find you? Yeah. My website is scienceofthriving.com. You can also reach out to us at info at scienceofthriving.com or me directly at Heidi at scienceofthriving.com. Email us, let us know your concerns. We can set up a discovery call see if embarking on this journey is something you really want to do. Or in fact, if I am the person for you, you may have a situation where on our conference call, I say, you know what, I got the right person for you and I'll get you in touch with them. So we can do that, but those are the ways to get a hold of me. Fantastic, you guys. Well, until next week, you guys go out there and just do your best and ask yourself every single day, am I getting better today, right? And just make it a point to every day, we're all together getting better every day. So yep. thank you for everything, Dr. Heidi, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you, Kelly. You guys are great. Be good, be well. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. And by the way, if you love this episode, it would mean the world to me. And it's actually the number one way that you can support this podcast is to share this with a friend who might benefit from listening as well. My hope is that after the episode today, you've had fun and you have a deeper understanding of how to take control of your health and that you have tools to start living extraordinary today. For more in-depth tools or to learn more about my programs, head on over to kellylovesha.com 
That's K-E-L-L-I-E-L-U-P-S-H-A dot com. And if you have any more questions, feel free to message me over at Instagram or just email them to me over at kelly at the com, and I'll answer them on the show.